This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Well, happy Wednesday evening. I'm Albie Oxenrider, and this is Halftime Adjustments with Dayan Kovacevic from our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com. Dayan, I, I didn't know if 2020 could get any more bizarre. Uh, this has been a challenging year for a lot of reasons on a lot of levels, some much more serious than others. But in terms of sports, the Steelers game scheduled for Thanksgiving night uh, gets moved to Sunday. Uh, the day before the game, they decide to move it to Sunday. This is just a, a, an unbelievable turn of events. Oh, I think unbelievable is is one adjective for it. I could come up with some that are a lot more colorful <laughs> uh, and a lot more spirited. Um, when you look back three weeks ago, the 49ers were in a spot. You remember this Thursday night yes. game. Yeah. And they had all kinds of COVID problems and contact tracing and whatever. And the NFL just told them, look, you're playing this game. Go find people off the street if you have to. And they did. They had some wide receiver who was their top number, their, their wide receiver one, whose name I've already forgotten, who went out there. This dude's probably already bagging groceries. And they get completely plastered you know, which is exactly what you would expect. But that's also how that goes. Now, here we are now, virtually the same situation. The only difference is that the, is that the Niners had, uh, most of their problems were contained within position groups. The Ravens appear to have just lost control, okay? Make them play. I, I don't, I'm the last person to be insensitive as it relates to the, the seriousness of the virus or whatever else here. Right. But there's right. virtually no daylight, no separation between whether the Ravens play tomorrow or whether the Ravens play Sunday, except for one thing. And that's that the Ravens would have more guys available to them to play who would be possible contact tracing guys, meaning they haven't tested positive. Correct. Yes. That's it. They didn't have any new positive tests today, Albie. I don't know if everybody realizes that. They had no new positive tests. Okay. So they go out, they're going to, all they were, should have been told to do is exactly what the Niners were told to do. Dave, why, let me, why weren't they? Let me take you back to this wild offseason and the, the, the weeks leading up, the months and weeks leading up to the start of the season. Remember, the plan was expand the rosters have players yeah. available in the event that something like this happens and you and just you just answered the question it's not a case of of more positive tests it's a case of uh, uh contact tracing players affected by contract tracing will be available on sunday and not tomorrow night uh which means it's a matter of their player giving them enough players why not just go to the extra players available to them because of the whole COVID protocols put into place before the season. It's, 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 you know, if it wasn't the Ravens and if it wasn't <laughs> one of the Harbaugh brothers involved in this, like you could sit there and look at this from a completely different perspective, Albie. Okay. You could say, all right, well, listen, maybe there's something else to this. Maybe there's, uh, a situation where the NFL and the Ravens are aware of something possibly more serious. and But it's not. It is those guys. Okay. And this guy would, would 
roll a relative under a bus to win a football game. Okay. And I understand where there are, that's a positive trait in a sense too, because, you know, he has that drive to him. Harbaugh does, but he's, he's, he's also really unsavory about this as we all just witnessed last week with his behavior uh, on the field against the Titans and refusing to shake Mike Vrabel's hand because Vrabel had the audacity to ask him why he was yelling at Tennessee players for stomping on his logo or standing on his logo, I should say, during warmups. Um, I don't trust the Ravens. I don't trust the Harbaugh brothers. Uh, I'm not suggesting that they're faking COVID tests. I'm sure the two players, two players, Albie, the two running backs, right? Mark Ingram, Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins are the only two Baltimore Ravens to have tested positive. Everything else is a matter of contact tracing and or staffers. So how did it reach the point where the NFL's marquee matchup on Thanksgiving night on national television, oh, and by the way, in front of paying customers who won't be able to get in on Sunday, you know, because the, the, the Commonwealth's edict goes into effect, meaning Pennsylvania's edict goes into effect on Friday. All that so that Harbaugh could get just a little bit more of a tactical advantage. You will not be able to convince me otherwise. Well, uh, this all happens, uh, you know, a little more than 24 hours before this game was supposed to be played. And again, there are many more serious aspects of this, of, of COVID. We understand that. But from the fans' perspective, um, I, a, a lot of people just had their Thanksgiving Day ruined oh, more heck. than it was already ruined. How about from the Steelers' perspective? This, is a, this, this team that they were about to face here is the ultimate wounded animal. I mean, emotionally, physically, everything otherwise. The Steelers had an opportunity to go out there, take care of business, bury this team which i still think they'll do sunday because now they'll be even angrier and then get something at least a semi-bye week in an extra break leading into the following game against washington now all that's gone you saw juju smith schuster's tweet uh paraphrasing they already took the bye away from us and then you know what else what else is going to happen uh the steelers certainly uh i i think uh have suffered more than any other team as far as as far as the effect that COVID has um, for those two reasons going back to Tennessee and that whole rescheduled situation this is a mess that's all I'm gonna say it's a mess you know what the head coach is gonna say about all this right we do not care yeah and and to him I I I give all the credit because uh, he's trying to keep a team on track that's 10 and 0 and 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 trying to uh play their biggest rival. So, so we'll talk more about that when we come back on halftime adjustments, Dane Kovacevic, I'll be Oxenrider. We're back on WPXI now, right after this. Welcome back to halftime adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Dane Kovacevic. And now that we know the Steelers game is going to be played Sunday, uh, let's talk about some of the ingredients uh, thrown into this uh, rivalry and this particular game. Dan, talk a little bit about Ben Roethlisberger, where he is right now, and uh, perhaps something that's making Ben less happy than he should be. Uh, this offense is unusual. 
school. There are times when you look at them, especially that group of young wide receivers that they have, uh, and especially when Ben is on his game and you think, this could really be something. Like not just good or very good, but very, very good. I'm not going to say great. I don't think that's there because I don't believe that there's any kind of a, uh, a serious threat at the running game. But it's not ever all the way there. And for the first time, really, this season, after the game Sunday in, in, in Jacksonville, and, and I was down there and, and we're hooking up uh, to talk to the players afterward and expecting all the usual, hey, we did it, we took care of business, da, 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 short week for Baltimore or whatever. Ben comes on and he just, some, something was off there. You could tell he just wasn't, he was giving these really short answers to, real easy questions I'll be stuff like how did your offensive line do those are the ones he usually eats up yeah those guys are the greatest I love those guys and he just was really short so finally at the very end of the session he says something to the effect of you know we're just not putting up enough points we're, we're not scoring enough points uh, we need to be doing better and the more I thought about that over the course of the week and I started asking questions of of people uh, inside the Steelers what was he talking about? What was he talking about? And the information that I have is that he wants to see the Steelers offense work its way into a position where it can score with anyone in the AFC. And when you say anyone in the AFC, who are you really talking about? Kansas City. Right. Okay? That's not to suggest that he or they are looking ahead to the Chiefs. But you see where the bar is in your conference. And when you're 10-0, and 0, you absolutely should be looking at things like that. You should be thinking Super Bowl. You should be thinking about how to get to the Super Bowl. You know, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the AFC North. Uh, we'll see whether or not they get the bye. But everything else is set. The fact that he's doing that and he's trying to push himself and this offense, and they – they scored 27 points in Jacksonville. And if you know Ben and you know Randy Feetner, you know they're constantly talking about that 30-point level. Ben wanted that. He wanted that in Jacksonville and didn't get it. What a neat thing, you know? You just don't, you know. Well, and it's it's interesting because we can talk, um, and certainly when a team's 10-0, uh, on the surface it appears that everything's fine. And I do think that the, the defense is stellar, and I, and I think the offense is very – uh, potentially great, but what's the one thing missing? And we saw a glimpse of maybe things getting back on track a little bit with the running game. Uh, I interviewed Mike Tirico uh, this week uh, and, and asked him about the national, uh, the, 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 the view across the country, the perspective of the Steelers and, and why aren't they getting the respect that, that, fans around here and, and others think that they should be getting. And he said, well, listen, this is a great team um, that, that has the potential to be undefeated. That in itself is great. But, but he said the running game, he pointed to the running game and the running game is part of that offense. And you talk about putting up points and you talk about the, the, the deep receiving core uh, it, it still is benefits from what they're able to do on the, on the ground. And if, I think if they, if they, get better in that regard, more consistent in that regard. And not just James Conner. I'm talking about the guys blocking for James Conner and, and Benny Snell 
You heard uh, uh, the Steelers and, and uh, offensive coordinator Randy Finker talking about, I want, I want to see more of Benny Snell in this offense. Well, if that's coming from the coordinator, then, then that means uh, they feel that he's ready to do more. So, yeah, I think the running game is one way where this offense could do more things. The running game is definitely one of those things. The other one is just plain old splash. Um, Chase Claypool has provided that, obviously. He's been good for literally a touchdown a game uh, as a rookie, which is unbelievable. And he's gotten that on some big plays. He's also drawn some defensive pass interference deep downfield, which also helps you to stretch the field. That also keeps a defense honest. But when you're talking about a national perspective, and I'm not nearly as into the whole complaining about the Steelers' disrespect and whatever as, as a lot of people around here are, um, that stuff doesn't literally doesn't mean anything. I mean, it actually means nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's not even an opinion. It just doesn't. It, it it doesn't count for anything in the standings. It doesn't count for anything toward winning. Um, I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they're not. They're not a splash-filled team. Yeah, uh, they're not putting together plays and drive or drives uh, sequences that make you go, "Wow, that that team looks fantastic." Uh, the way you saw in the past, maybe with you know when when Drew Brees was a little younger, and you would think that way about the Saints. It just there was just this. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You just you just ready to show on turf, right? Yeah. Yeah, you you know Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, and you go, man, that team is really even Brady, because there were times that he would just look so when when he was in New England and just moving the ball. And uh, the Steelers don't have that that offensive wow factor other than Claypool, and that's not going to happen until Ben is connecting consistently on those deep balls, uh, and I think that's going to be part of this as well. But to repeat and to quote the head coach again, we do not care. I do not care about that. That stuff just doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. Well, and clearly uh, what matters uh, in, is the bottom line and winning and they are winning. And I think it's a healthy thing that if Ben Roethlisberger is unhappy about that, then that means that he's going to drive them to bigger and better things. All right. We're back with more of halftime adjustments on this very unusual Wednesday in a very unusual season. When we come back after this. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider. Dan's on the other end. And uh, Dan, normally, well, <laughs> we, we're way past normal, but but uh, normally at this time of year, uh, it would be, would have our choice of, of where to look on the sports landscape. No hockey on this Thanksgiving Eve. Um, and it, I really don't know how long it will be till we have hockey. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, the first thought is just a sappy one. This is always such a big night uh, yeah. on the calendar around here. Uh, everybody comes home uh, for the holidays, and it's the best crowd of the year. The Penguins don't make many requests of the NHL's schedule maker on an annual basis because they know they're going to sell out every game. Uh, but one that they always put in is that they get Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, they get that Wednesday night game 
uh, in Pittsburgh. That goes all the way back to the Civic Arena. And Albie, those are the best crowds of the entire regular season. It feels like a playoff from the moment yeah, you walk yeah. in there because people are pumped. It might be the only game that they see that year. Um, and no matter who the opponent is, it could be like, you know, Vancouver or whoever. It just doesn't matter. It's just the fact that they're there, they're at a game. Uh, it's a special atmosphere, and the special atmosphere usually leads the home team to do pretty well on the ice in front of them. It's just another of many, many things that have been taken away, uh, you know, from our normalcy around here in Pittsburgh, you know, in addition to obviously everywhere else in the world. When are we going to see them again? I don't know. I mean, the only thing I think that's scarier than, than, than the virus in terms of keeping away sports is money. Um, I've said from the very beginning, and you and I have talked about it, who knows how many times these past few months, where there's money, there's going to be a way. Where there isn't money, that's different. The NHL cannot afford to be playing in partially filled or empty arenas. Just can't. They don't have the TV revenue to withstand that. They're not the NFL that can play in these empty stadiums and still make a zillion dollars off of TV money. The NHL counts on fans being at games in whatever form that takes, concessions, parking, sponsorships, the whole deal. They count on fans being at games for roughly half all their revenue, half. So what are you going to do? Tell Sid and Gino and, and, and Tanger, hey, hey, we'll do this, but we're only going to pay you half the money. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. So, yeah, and that's, I think that's the, uh, and the reason I brought up down the road, uh, as well as what it will be like not to have them on Thanksgiving Eve, is I, I don't, and I don't think anybody knows, and I'm not asking you for an answer on this, but let's face it, it we're, we're staring down uh, uh, Christmas right now, and, and New Year's will come shortly after that, and, and all of a sudden, there it is, 2021, it's not that long, it's not that far away. And, and I just don't see things drastically changing with or without a vaccine, which they're now talking about by the end of this month. But still, I, I just don't see it changing that fast in order to affect the change in the beginning of the hockey season. Yeah. And, and I mean, not to skew this into a, a whole big, you know, virus subject here or whatever, but the, the vaccine is supposed to be available uh, in early December. But that doesn't mean that it gets distributed and delivered. It's really complicated. You have to have these trucks that can uh, refrigerate something at 80 degrees below zero. That's not your normal truck. That's not a produce truck. That's not just throw these vaccines in the back of a U-Haul and get them where they need to go. Um, There's a lot of challenges that are involved in this. And then you have to hit a certain percentage of the population with the vaccine in order to blah, 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 blah. It's going to be a while. Um, Gary Bettman has said, that the NHL will start the way the NHL starts is not necessarily the way it'll finish is the way he put it and then the way I understood that the way everybody took that to mean is if they open the season in front of no fans it doesn't mean that's how they're going to make it through the whole season the way you know how baseball just committed the whole way through there just weren't going to be any people until eventually they let them in for the uh the league championship series and the world series a few of them anyway down in Arlington um, this is, it, they're going to have a hard time and it's really not as much about the virus or bubbles or anything like that as it is with the money. 
they're going to have a very hard time convincing these owners, hey, let's just have this season. Let's go ahead and do this. And while we're at it, go ahead and lose 30 or $40 million over the course of the season. They're just not going to do it. Nobody's going to do it. Pittsburgh wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though. I Not only do we not know today, but I you can't plan. There's nothing that can be planned. Um, and I think that's what makes it more di- most difficult, because let's say we do turn into January and there's some momentum and maybe the, the vaccine is starting to be distributed more widely at that point. Well, still, you need time to put together the, log- the complicated logistics of a season. And I, I just so I'm asking you and I don't expect an answer, oh. but just talk out loud. When do you think we can realistically expect to see hockey? Oh, I think they they can do these things logistically. They can't do them financially. I, I, I think, Albie, I think that's the, the really the only issue right. here. They can have all seven Canadian teams stay in Canada at the Canadian division. That, that's already pretty much set. The rest of this, they just got to figure out a way to, to solve the money thing. And that's that's tough, man. It is. All right. Back with our final thoughts on halftime adjustments right after this. Welcome back to our final moments here on halftime adjustments and day. And it's Thanksgiving Eve and in the middle of uh, uh, all this confusion and the challenges that we've had in 2020, I think that it's now more than ever a good time to reflect on the things that you have to be thankful for. Yeah, it is. This year has made that tough though. Hasn't it? Um, You know, uh, on, on one hand, uh, you want to say something like, you know, we're thankful for our health and everything else like that. But um, we've also lost a lot this year. Um, you know, we, we're, our job is to talk about sports and that, and we get all animated about it. But we've also lost a lot of people. We've lost a lot of uh, precious things this year. And it's going to be a big climb back. All right. Well said. Thanks, Dan. That's halftime adjustments for this week. I'm Albie Oxenrider, and make sure you have a happy Thanksgiving and try to relax without the Steelers. We'll see you next week.